This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. From America's farm to fork capital in Sacramento, I'm Amber Stott, chief food genius and founder of the Food Literacy Center, a nonprofit that inspires kids to eat their veggies and understand why. Raising Kale will chronicle the stories of food thought leaders that include chefs, farmers, doctors, leading experts, connecting them back to the communities that are building resilience around a fractured food system. Today, our food is linked to obesity, climate change, workers' rights, and so much more. It's time we understand the story behind the food we eat and the impact our food choices have on our health, the environment, and our economy. It's time to start Raising Kale. It's the magic, and, and, and you know, the it's the most beautiful way to be connected to someone. It's the, it's the, you know, there's only one more frontier of intimacy, really. For our season one finale of Raising Kale, I have a special guest. When rock star Gavin Rossdale heard about this podcast, he offered to lend his celebrity status to help us get the word out. We're so grateful to him for the support. Rockstars have a history of creating change in our food movement. Food and music have a unifying quality. They bring people together around issues that are complex and even depressing, and they help fill us with hope. Farm Aid comes to mind, Willie Nelson's effort to save farmland, and Bono's One campaign to address global development and nutrition. I'm so pleased that Gavin Rossdale is joining this effort as my guest today. When he's not singing and playing guitar with Bush, Gavin's passion is cooking. Gavin, welcome to Raising Kale. Sure. It seems so accomplished and so many great things. I guess you had, I was like, am I meant to be on this show? I didn't start a food bank. I'm a terrible person. I help everyone around me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, I just want to thank you for also lending your your platform. And I think it's super cool that you are taking your time to um, weigh in because I hear you're somewhat of a kale raiser yourself. I love kale. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful vegetable. And... Um, I have you know, three, well, three young boys, and so it's an interesting balance always to learn to eat healthy. I've got seven, twelve, and fourteen, so I have a wide range. Now, the older one mainly wants to eat kale; he's very mindful. The younger one only wants to eat steak or bolognese sauce, and is terrified of vegetables. Oh. And so I always, you know, for the other two, I, I I spend a lot of time working my vegetables so that my kids eat them and love them. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm in, 
immediate maniac cook. I hear you cook a lot, and and that's an important part of uh, raising kale, right? Because when we cook, we control what's in our food, and and we can get all that good stuff in there, like those vegetables for our kids. So, you know, talk about how you fell into cooking. I know a lot of chefs, actually, that love both cooking and music. And so are there any similarities that you see? Huge. First off, um, I I 100% would have been a cook if I hadn't been a musician. Interesting. I would have ended up in the restaurant world. And why do you say that? I I just think the kitchen brigades and uh, the the way that great kitchens run yeah. is just really inspiring. And and I, and I I just follow. I love the whole culture of food. You know, I'm European. Very lucky. I grew up around very many much varied food. And then I started cooking a bit later in my life. But I don't know. It's just Miles Davis said that every musician should be able to cook. And I like the idea of the alchemy of cooking. Like I have a bizarre ability to cook for 20 people you know and like i can just do it and it doesn't really phase me and i've got a, you know I'm, I'm terrible at many things but it's not my to my horn but so like for some reason cooking doesn't stress me mm. i can do it i can present lots of dishes i cook for six eight people every single day because you can perform to a big audience so cooking is yeah, kind I, of I, a performance I, I, yes i suppose so yeah for sure and i just work everything backwards and I want everything to be beautiful and I want the food to, it's, a, it's, a, it's part of my culture. It's, it's, uh, it's not just um, about the goodness that they put in their body, for instance, the kale thing. We have a very nice system. I've got three boys and I have a manny and an assistant. So the six of us sit at the table. No one interrupts anyone. Everyone who's talking has the floor. It's really respectful. Mm. You know, people scatter around the house doing their things and they come, we have meal times, we sit there, long, leisurely dinners. And it's just all part of it. You know, food uh, inspired the conversation. The conversation inspired, uh, for me alone and my sister, should we drink a lovely glass of wine? We're having a great time. Uh, you know, um, and that the nutrients is just, that's my job. You know, it's just, I find, I believe in the balance of things. You know, I would never give them only kale. I would always give them kale. And, you know, with me, I just, it's all about flavor and, and things that be beautiful. And, and uh, my two older kids are like, we always had a deal. It's got to eat, try anything. And then yeah. I don't care if they want to have it. That's they great. have to try it. So great. from an early age, they're really extreme. Eaters. I mean, like extreme, really good brains, you know, uh, to, uh, I mean, sorry, you're all vegans there. Oh, they're not vegans. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm, you know, I come from a different movement where, um, because I'm an omnivore, I think you should eat entire animals, mm-hmm. uh, nose to tail. So Absolutely. I'm very much part of that. And then um, about two years ago, I started to be thinking, I read this book about, um, it's called um, Every 12 Seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's about the, um, the meat industry, the industrialization of the meat industry. Yeah. And it's abhorrently done. And the way that the whole industry has been turn on its head and makes me stop eating meat. I don't eat that much meat. Yeah. It's so because important. I don't want to support that. Yeah. But what I do want to find is purveyors smaller places that, 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 that raise and butcher their own meat. So that if my kids want it, I can find a sustainable place and the animals haven't suffered um, in the way that they do. You know, the industrial age, if you read, you know, any anthropology books worth their soul, you know, it's just the industrial revolution it's come back to haunt us, you know, the climate, um, the treatment of animals as non-sentient beings. Where does this passion come from for you, for for food and for caring about the planet? Where does that, that fire in your belly come from? 
Um, I just can't imagine not having that. This morning I dropped my kids at school and I decided I had a morning free, take my dog, get a coffee, walk on the beach. And as I was walking down this pristine beach, I love it so much. It's really hot, freezing water, but hot sun. And I saw a, a poop bag on a rock. You know, someone, someone had, their dog had taken a poop. So they just popped it on the rock. So your dog just, you know, did his business as anyone who has a, an animal should be mindful or a child or anything. You don't be anything responsible for. So you've gone as far as picking it up, putting it in a bag, but he just popped it on the rock. It is a pet peeve of mine it's as well. Staggering. I'm so embarrassed for that person. They exist in this world. It just, it just drives me nuts. So I think that I'm very, very passionate and clear about that if everybody of their different beliefs, creeds, denominations, hairstyles, fashions, whatever, there's a perfectly good way of all living cohabitating. That is to be mindful and, and cognizant of other people. And so if if the endless, endless, you know, if we're losing 75% of the Amazon rainforest is lost due to deforestation or animal uh, raising, I think we've got something wrong. The math is wrong. So everybody's got to take a little step. You know, there's this other book, um, We Are the Weather, amazing book, and it, it, it talks about climate change. It's saying if you, if you forfeit a breakfast and lunch meat in your diet, you sort of save, I think, a million tons of CO2 per person. My last girlfriend was vegan. And I really enjoyed to be challenged to cook pure vegan, pure, pure vegan, never, no animal products. What, what's something vegan that you've cooked recently? Uh, well, my latest really fun thing is a red cabbage. Take a cabbage, um, a fennel, a piece of fennel plant, maybe an onion, maybe some garlic, also cauliflower. So I roast them for maybe three hours at 300 just with olive oil, just to break them down, break them, break them, break them. And the cauliflower looks beautifully golden. And it takes on this um, very, very uh, crunchy exterior and a soft interior. Then you make wedges, and I make a beautiful plate of all these different color wedges. Yeah. And then I make a sort of a, like a garlic and lemon and butter. Mm. Uh, you can use vegan butter and put that and lay that sauce over it. And then I take these fennel and the onion and the garlic and I puree them and make a little puree that then you put like a lovely pure on the plate and you put in a wedge a beautiful wedge of cauliflower that's crispy and cooked and soft and the red cabbage that you think it's really really hard but you press it and it just gives and you put the garlic on that you know and the sauce on that lemon garlic sauce you're very passionate about the sensations of the food the color the texture um, yeah, you're really, you're you're so apt at describing it. Well, it's- I would show you, I would show you because I photograph it every day. But I, you know, I follow all great chefs and great platings, and like I'm super. I, it's not uptight because it's actually your act of servitude. So it's not uptight. It's very giving. It's like if you came to my house and made you a beautiful meal, you'd be like, oh, that looks so beautiful. You know, is that an invitation? Yeah, is that an invitation? <laughs> Sure. I'm there. He was a female in his house. His house has got too many men. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I, you know, because I think that, again, it goes back to what you say about how do you get kids to eat vegetables? You know, make them useful. I made, I made the other day, I made, um, I made a salad that just took block, broccoli, florets, and, 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 um, celery. Mm. And I cut the celery up, fine, fine dice, and I put some, soak it in mirin. And rice wine vinegar, mm. or submerged, 
and you know for a couple of hours and you take it out it's not drenched but you take it out and the, the, the green the broccolini goes nuts and my 12 year old took a bite of this popping it's like pickling it's a quick yeah, pickle yeah he just said can you please make this more and I was <laughs> like okay because I use all that stuff you know very Japanese flavorings a lot of the time you know and just basically trying to make the five tastes all bounce around and textures and colors I love it. And did you grow up cooking? Was there someone that influenced you in your cooking? No, no, I don't have any of those lovely hearth stories. No, 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 no. Basically, there was a there was a rotisserie chicken I used to have. There was a place I went in Spain when I went on my family holiday with my dad when I was a kid. And they had this rotisserie chicken. And I'll never forget that chicken because it was caked in salt, pepper, and some, I think, rosemary. And they just would and roast all day. And we'd go there as kids. And being from London, where it was a bit grey in the 70s, I just, I'd never, I didn't know the food could do that. It was like this, this sensation. Yeah. And I sort of, I'm always trying to recreate that, in a sense, mm-hmm. that that sort of sensation. You picked up on it, that I do pick, I do feel the, uh, the sensations, you know, of food. And, you know, to, I give food to people all the time where they just, like, lose their minds. You, know, you put a bit of sea bass, in some sea salt, and then you, you know, you can either put the lemon rinds and the rosemary or, or egg white, or whatever, or just water, but you just roast it in there 20, 30 minutes. You check it with a knife through the hard crust, mm. make sure the lip is warm, and then you take that out, and then you put a little oil, olive oil with a little balsamic vinegar in it. Then you dip that into the fish. You take it out very carefully, no salt. You take it out, fill it in. People think you're the greatest chef that ever lived. I think it's, um, Cooking feels complicated for people, and the the foods that you're describing are very simple, and I think sometimes home cooks think yeah. it has to be complicated to be I, good. You know, you want the finesse and the simplicity is where the genius is. That's the detail. Like you go to Italy, they're going to do a dish with, like, you know, like a pasta. You know, it's even very few ingredients, but it's the alchemy of things. And, you know, cooking is temperature and time temperature and time and every single dish that I tell my kids every day is a process mm-hmm. just a process so we'll they'll you know they want me to I say what do you want me to make I'll make anything you want I'll never make it for a flan we've been making flans I love flans I've never really made one but I made one so a couple fun. weeks ago then I met and I realized actually when you put the cream cheese that makes the difference because yeah. I had the first one was a bit more grainy uh-huh. still looked beautiful it was perfect and I was like I know I know that smooth one and then my housekeeper, she's Mexican, she said, oh, you know what, cream cheese. I said, cream cheese. I saw it. I'd seen another recipe there. Put that in. Boom, it took me two uh, attempts. Yep. I can nail, I've got that flan down. Brilliant. So I say to my kids, just a process, you know. But also people sometimes don't have the time. And I, for some reason, I just, I'm literally an idiot for it. I love it so much. Uh, well, I love, I love your passion for it. It really, it really shows through. Um I also want to talk about this connection between music and food because you're a famous rock star, so we have to. Is it the creativity? Is it the passion? What is it about that intersection? It's the magic. It's the magic. And, and, and you know, this, it's the most beautiful way to be connected to someone. It's the, it's the, you know, there's only one more frontier of intimacy, really, mm. because it's such an intimate thing to sit there, open your mouth, put things in, uh, let people know what you want to eat, how hungry you are, what you're like. 
you know, it, it's a great opportunity to understand people. I got to know someone the other night. I went out with someone, this very nice girl who was Japanese. And uh, I got this really beautiful sake, you know, and I really like that. It's really, really nice, actually, ex-mission style place. And I went for a nice, hadn't been out for dinner, you know, just went out with a friend of mine and getting to know her. We were shooting sake, and I was like, you know, I'm just, okay. I mean, it's quite nice if you let it sit, you know, if you sip it. It's good taste, you good. But I don't want to say anything, but I love, I, I love that. You know, I was like, we got a shooter here. <laughs> well, and, and that appreciation for food, I think... For some folks like you, it's it's a passion and it comes naturally. And for others, it is it is a learned um, appreciation. And you know, yeah, like I just what- everybody has their yeah, everybody has their lane. And I always say to my kids, you know, everything is easy once you can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so, people that just can't seem to don't have that knack. But there's so many things I can't do. Yeah, I, therefore, I just you know, the cooking must be like that for some people, I guess. I also understand you are right now in Australia and you're in rehearsals. Um, and I have, you know, do you cook while you're on the road? How do you, how do you eat? America would have my bus. Cook every breakfast. No one's going to feed my breakfast in a hotel. Room service is done. It's cold. No, no, I'm on the bus. I can make breakfast. I can, um, I usually make, I, you know, I make meals, you know, I'll make, I'll make things, um, and then I usually have one or two people from either the band or my tour manager, lovely girl, uh, if they come join me for dinner on my bus, whatever, you know. So I do that. Or I get lazy, but it's so easy to throw things together like a beautiful salad. and just mm. It's going to beat the catering in Ohio. I have no offense to Ohio's catering, but I'm going to murder that catering. You know, three different beans and some beautiful cucumbers and tomato oh. and celery and a nice dressing. And you're ready to go. And so are you shopping at farmer's markets? What What is in your pantry? Um, oh, my pantry's really well stocked. I do a lot of, I, 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 if I go fancy, I have a, you know, regardless in New York from Ian and regardless in New York. Because I know a couple of great chefs. Um, one of my really good friends is a, a turning onto this site. Anyway, so I get like, you know, for Christmas is like Wagyu and caviar and truffle and just bullshit my kids having fun you know <laughs> I feel bad during Corona saying that so I, I wasn't I don't tweet I don't take photographs there but you know we had like you know they just wanted to experience like A5 proper Wagyu um and a Hokkaido prefecture all that nonsense and then great mushrooms mm. baby peaches I get really weird all the kind of um Asian uh Goju Kang, Kang, Goju Chang, you know, like sort of Japanese, the Korean miso. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to like, you know, take all these different flavors. I read a lot of Asian cookbooks and see how they work and what they do. And, What's one of your favorite you know, cookbooks right now? I've been, I've got a um, Japanese vegan book that I'm reading. I've got this um, Mark Vetri, uh, Italian, I was reading last night because I just read up for the week because I've got to cook for the week. Uh-huh. Um, so I just read up what what should we make? What kind of weird things are we going to do? You know, different things. Because they get, you know, they've got to keep them interesting. So there's that. My favorite of all is Ferran Adra from uh, El Bouilly. And he has a, mm. um, I can't remember what he's called, it's the home cook. And it's basically all their staff meal yeah. from the restaurant. Yeah. Best cookbook. And it has what you have to get, the ingredients laid out, and the timing to make the meal. Mm-hmm. It's genius. It's, good. it's called a family meal. And it's just, so thoughtful and it's just brilliant 
and uh, three course meal, and they tell you how to do it every day. And, and you really are into this process of the cooking. So, so talk about that. Like, what's your process when you're getting ready to cook for twenty people? That's a lot. Well, those those are those are going to be uh, holiday times, which I adore and love. And being a single father, you know, you really want to make sure that uh, they have incredible experiences here, and every holiday should be reflected in that. You know, so we have a different number of people to come. I sort of rent my friends to come in and have these. I don't rent. I invite my friends. You know, other couples, kids. So these big, elaborate dinners, and so that's just a case of, uh, you know, writing out the menu figure it out, two to maybe one and a half days of prep and just doing it and just in it and loving it, you know, just into it. Just so I could do eight hour shifts and doesn't, I'm into it. It's just fun. Then I've got to go swimming and I got to do that. So <laughs> I, I'm into it. And uh, what's funny is my kids are trained. Like they sort of, they know where I am. Mm-hmm. They come find me, hang out. They come and help with one thing. Do you want to help? Yeah, sure. We'll make the pasta. We'll make the pasta. We'll make the pasta. We'll make the pasta. We'll pasta. It's great, great, great. You want to roll it? No, no, no. I'm going to take it. Another one comes in. Do you want to help me roll this? Okay. Help me roll the pasta. That's fantastic. You know, so they pop in and out. Uh, um, so, yeah, my process is just to be focused on it. Um, who are some of the kale raisers who have influenced you? It sounds like a lot of chefs. Uh, cooking White. Oh, yeah. Well, South with Marco Pierre White. Marco Pierre White in London. He is very famous. Uh, beginning here, he's white, white light, white heat. He's, he's this, the first um, celebrity chef in the 80s. And I was like, who's this guy? I wasn't even eating. I had no money. But I thought he was cool. So Mario Batali, the uh, um, great friend of mine, Grant Ashak, who's a three mission star chef, who's a really good friend of mine, and helped me a lot. Did things. Dominic Crenn, I'm quite friendly with. Kat Cora. Because I did a show with her. I cooked with her for her show. So Love I did it. a... Love it. We both did a cook, sometimes cooking. I did a cooking section for Oat Living where I cooked twice. I did a kedgeri for them. I did, um, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I did a chicken chasseur, a hunter's chicken for them uh, another time. Like cooking for an hour on the zoo. You know? <laughs> then I did a for People uh, magazine. They said, make a favorite dish. I said, I don't have a favorite dish. I cook all the time. So I made a vegan bolognese and I made vegan pasta. That's great. To go with it. So that's coming out soon. So. I'm not sure if I'm answering the right questions. I'm just reading off a list, but I'm not sure if it's right. <laughs> was, was that an answer? Sorry, I got lost. It's all good. Yeah, no, I appreciate this. And, you know, um, your list of all the amazing charities that you've supported, uh, Feeding America, Habitat for Humanity, you know, what draws you to do that type of work? That, that adds to your kale raiser bucket. To be honest, I don't do enough and you could ask me to do something. I don't probably do enough. I just, I would do more. I would love to take my kids. You know, I took my kids to some food banks. We handed out toys at Christmas. I, I like, I worked, so I, I sang for, um, no keep those hungry feed America. Mm-hmm. And then I pledged, I asked them if they wanted me to like, you know, do any more. And apparently not. <laughs> apparently I fed them. That was it. <laughs> my contribution was over. So I was like, Okay, but I thought my philanthropy, I think, is very um, local. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people around me that I definitely am responsible for, so I don't feel like a bad person. But I, when I read some of the people on your uh, list, specifically the first gentleman, he started with you know, four non-profits and he's cooking out. I was like, God, I'm not a very good person. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a very good person. 
<laughs> I, I got to do something about that. But. I mean, you're you're I mean, making contributions. No, I am, and I, I'm very vocal about the whole animal rights to it. You know, within the context of like, some vegans might hate me because I still um, have allow meat in my house, and I still allow animal products. Um, and I think, but I in- think it's about being realistic. I think those absolutes are very difficult for most people, right? What they are is unreasonable. Mm-hmm. You can be, you know, as you know, no, 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 like this, you know. I had this, you know, amazing girlfriend, vegan, wonderful, but uh, I don't know. She has no responsibility. She's not like three kids asking for a hamburger. Now I give them impossible meat, or I minimize it. But you know, they're asking me for that, and like I don't know. I know meat is not as good for you as people have we've been led to believe. Like for instance, I'm. You know, I'm in the you know I'm in the second half of my life, and I'm only realizing the dairy industry has been lying to me forever. I didn't know that, but they've been lying to us. The cows are, don't don't want to be pregnant the whole time, and they're really not having a great life. And the, the separation of the animals. I'm just like, I want to go to now. I've got to be very careful because I'm really lucky that I can do this. But I'd rather go and pay where. There's an idealized version of that where there was you get milk from a cow that then goes out and hangs out with their kid. Yes. I'm that naive. I wish I would like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't see why it's gone so industrialized and so extreme, all for profit, nothing to do with the welfare of the animals. Um, I was speaking to the guy from the, the, the owner, is a friend of mine of Vitamin Farms. Yeah. I don't know if you know the company Vitamin Yeah, Farms. they're great. I eat and those eggs. In, introduced me to the CEO. We've become kind of friends. And I told him because I'm working on this cooking show that I'm trying to do. And I was really concerned with, you know, there's three billion chicks a year get killed, you know, because you know, they think they don't know what sex they are. As soon as they establish that they're male and they're no good, they kill them. Yeah. And they, as we know, they kill them. They just, when they kill them, they don't, they're not, no anesthetic. If they just kill them, throw them into a grinder. I mean, it's just, it's just that stuff that I can't get behind and I just hate and I just feel so guilty. Even when I say it, I feel horrible for ever eating an egg. So he, what they're trying to do there is they, they're doing these, obviously, they put millions into this whole thing to identify um, the sex of the egg without having to kill the egg, open the egg, or, or you know. And that's going to be a game changer. Now, that's the kind of thing I can get behind. I mean, that's like, thank goodness. Because we've just been, it's just so terrible. We've just been, like, literally lied to for pursuit of money and it's gotten more and more and more and more industrialized more and more and back in the day you know 200 years ago when it'd be like oh there's a you know dairy got the farm and they'd get this milk i don't know like i just want that absolutely and i want I, my and, cow maybe i've got to get my own cow <laughs> and, and you call yourself naive for feeling this way but i actually think the opposite i think that when people can see and believe in a different world and a different reality and then fight for it, I think it makes other people believe those things are possible. And especially for you, having the voice of a celebrity to say those things, right. I think it really yeah, well, I'm, 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 can change the my, dial. If I, get my, if I get my TV show made, the platform will allow me to really talk about food in a way that is a bit like, you know, during this time, I think gross displays of, someone asked me to, show a painting that I had. I was like, not in this time when people are struggling and dying and losing their jobs. I'm going to show people what I've got. That's an awful thing. And I feel the same way whenever I do a beautiful displays of, of meat. Until I kind of know, feel better about it, I don't 
portray that. I don't want to. I don't know. I just. I like. I like being on the side of, of mindful people that, that that kind of care more about animal welfare. Although I could do better because you know I have, I'm about to cook something that died downstairs. But I think that's so. Uh, it's so human and it's so relatable because so many people are are struggling with these same conversations. Right? There's this. I believe yeah. this way, but it's so hard. And how do I balance yeah. those two? I'm inevitably going to be doing something wrong. Inevitably, it'll be a better way of doing it. Inevitably, somebody could do it better. But it's going to look good and taste really good. That's <laughs> I, that I know. Talking about this is going to be a um, different perspective. Absolutely. I, I, I love your perspective. I'm, I'm so grateful to you for sharing it and for just the passion that you bring and the enthusiasm. It's it's uh, it's inspiring, and, and so many people need to be inspired right now. Thank you. You do have a new album, and we should talk about that. So it's called The Kingdom. And you actually say something that's a little bit to, to what we've been talking about here. You, you say in an interview that some of the, the music in this album is about believing in something better, believing in a better world. So, you know, that's exactly what we're doing here, trying to raise kale and roll up our sleeves and make that happen. So talk about how you want to materialize that better world and talk a little bit about your album. Uh, by, by drawing attention to it. I mean, my my songs, I mean, The Kingdom, it's a weird one. It's so strange with the process of writing songs. Sometimes you feel it's like almost like you write songs in the dark. Mm-hmm. And then when you see them, when they leave uh, the studio and they become, they belong to everyone else, they take on this extraordinary power. It's like a different alchemy that happens, right? And so it began with, uh, we did John Wick uh, soundtrack song for that. Uh, it was Bullet Holes. So you had in that there's lines, you know, race wars, Star Wars, planet wars, and mind wars. Is one of the lines in the song, um, and that and nothing could become more pertinent. Then we moved into this, you know, horrific um, sort of police brutality with the murder of George Floyd, and I mean, it goes on and on. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 the names are it's the role. The role is, is endless, as, as we know. It's continuing. Um, two days ago, yeah. it doesn't end. So to draw attention to that, you know, it's not my job to have solutions. Mm-hmm. It's my job to ricochet ideas. Mm-hmm. That's my job. You know, it's my metier. It's my complete function in life outside of being a dad and a decent tennis player mm-hmm. is to just present things. So then we had um, then we had the second song was called Flowers on a Grave. Flowers on a Grave. And that was, spoke about all the isolation, the sadness, the emptiness, and the loneliness, and that's what everyone was going through Absolutely. Uh, with the corona, especially people who were not in relationships, or even specifically people that were in relationships. So they suddenly were like, Jesus Christ, I'm more alone than I ever fucking realized. Who is this person? I'm an idiot. Um, and then the kingdom, which is the last final one, was this whole call to arms, you know, people just soldier on. It's very, like, it's about organized, peaceful demonstrations. You know, the ones who just want a fair just an accountable world I'm with them the ones getting into good trouble yeah and and good dialogue I I appreciate you talking about these hard issues because I think that silence also says something and so speaking out is so important right now we have um, too many people who are being silent on these issues so I really appreciate your voice and getting behind these issues yeah I, mean, I don't know what my voice is you know I'm a working musician I've got a pretty not a very I got a pretty pathetic global following on Instagram, like 300,000 or something like that, the global equivalent of no one. <laughs> but it's fun. It's good people. I do love my people. I have, a, I have a, like a, 
you know, it's very active. I, I do love my gang, but it's nothing. I wish some of the people with a 70, 80, 90 million would take this position. I'm just not, it's not my generation. You know, my generation is not like, not really on Instagram that much. You know? mm-hmm. Just the young people liking the records. You know? Well, it's greatly appreciated because I think all of these issues, Black Lives Matter and the food movement, we see these connections between hunger and and where is hunger happening? It's in black and brown communities. How to decently treat people, mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter, and how to decently treat the planet. I mean, like, yes. people can't keep thinking that this is sort of like thing that, and it's good for us. It's not. It's not as bad. But what about our, our kids? Kids, yeah. that's not going to be good. Yeah. I mean, the world's going to run out of water. I just like go. What? what how? I, I just go. How are you going to run out? How are you going to sustain water? Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to do that. They're running out of water. In India, in Africa, they're running out of water. They don't have enough water. And so, we're, we're in another drought here in California uh, coming soon. Right. I mean, I, yeah. These, these things, so they all, there's a ricochet, knock-on effect, and, and if you don't take care of the, if we don't take care of the planet, what do we expect? I mean, all the scientists lose their mind, and thank God we just got back in the Paris Agreement. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness there is, you know, we're part of some unit. The whole thing of, like, leaving that, and, like, climate doesn't exist. It's like, what you got to do is walk out, it's 95 degrees, it's 95. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, the desert's back. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm so grateful to you. Is there anything else that you want to cover that I haven't mentioned that we didn't talk about? No, you're so sweet. No, you're so you're, you're great, and uh, thank you for having me. I, mean, I don't know, I'm just saying on and on about this stuff. I like it. It's nice to be able to talk about it. I do care about it. I mean, the passion is is um, visceral. So I I'm very grateful to you. You know, we're we're. Raising Kale is, is a movement, and it's only beginning. And so, having people like you be part of this uh, means so much. So, keep raising Great. kale out there yourself. I'll keep, I'll keep macerating my kale. Please. Oh my gosh, that recipe sounded so good with the broccolini and the celery pickles. That sounded so phenomenal. good. It's so simple. Yeah. So good. So and, and Kim, our producer, she's going to definitely be taking you up on the offer to dinner. Okay. All righty. And with that, Gavin Rossdale has the last word on season one of Raising Kale. I'm so grateful for his time and his vocal support of this work. A hearty thank you to everyone who has been listening to this podcast. I can't thank you enough for taking this journey with me around the world. I created this podcast because I believe so strongly that the first step toward change is understanding. I hope that by listening, I've helped bring awareness to new issues for some of you. I hope it inspires many of you to roll up your sleeves and get into good trouble with food. Whether you're planting a school garden, donating to a local food pantry, or even sharing an episode of this podcast with a friend, it all matters. Together, we really can make a difference. As we close this season, I want to thank the team that helps make Raising Kale possible. The ever-amazing, my right hand, Kim Kaplan, is our producer. Odyssey is our host. Stacey Kaufman is Odyssey Sacramento's market manager. Nicole Rogers is part of my Broccoli Brain Trust. Jamie Wilson provides marketing support. Fleischman Hillard provides PR support and strategy. Greg Berger of Pomegranate Designs created our logo. Amy Nicole Photography took our photos. My mom and dad, they listened to their very first podcasts because of Raising Kale. Be sure to tune in to season two 
as I take the advice of season one guests and head out to meet local farmers. From Kalamazoo, Michigan to Clovis, California, you'll hear from these kale raisers and more next season on Raising Kale.